Today, I am having a conversation with Jessica Vandenbush, a content creator, trail and ultra runner, and all around fun person. This was a very enjoyable conversation centered around some of the unique things that Jessica has done around building community and creating content in the running world, and how she approaches balance in her life while finding time to pursue her passions. From creating the Speed Dating 5K to running the Jerome Aid Station at the inaugural Cocodona 250, where the town required them to have quiet time during the night section, to running hard races, Jessica has a way of leaning in and finding unique ways to solve the problems that always come up when you are doing hard things. Besides working for the North Face, Jessica is the creator and editor of Eat Clean Run Dirty, a print magazine focused on trail and ultra running and just recently directed and produced the film Nettie from Ohio, a film about one woman's journey to get to the Western States 100 endurance run. Jessica is pushing the envelope and paving the way for female creators in trail and ultra running, as you know, a predominantly male-dominated sport, and she is doing it with a fun, no-nonsense attitude that is super refreshing. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jessica Vandenbush. Before we get to the show, I want to shout out our sponsors. A big thanks to our title sponsor, Vacation Races. Vacation Races hosts epic half marathon and ultra marathons that take place in national parks all over the country. Can you imagine running through stunning landscapes while pushing your limits in places like Zion, Yosemite, or Bryce Canyon? They also organize week-long running adventures around the world. We're talking about running in jaw-dropping locations and experiencing the thrill of exploration from Alaska to to Costa Rica, Croatia, to Japan. They've got 11 different destinations lined up. For the super adventurous, there is even a super secret destination where you won't even know where you're going until you get to the airport. How crazy is that? They've got something for everyone. You don't have to worry about pace. All you have to do is maintain a 20-minute mile. So as long as you keep moving with purpose, you're good to go. It's all about enjoying the journey and soaking in the incredible scenery. These trips feature daily 7 to 12K trail runs in the morning and then a ton of awesome activities in the afternoon. Think glacier treks, zip lining, whitewater rafting, wine tasting, falconry, historic tours, cooking classes, you name it. They've thought of everything to make sure that you have the time of your lives. Best of all, these adventures are all-inclusive. Yep, that means everything is covered. Hotels, in-destination transportation, meals, drinks, activities, and even some sweet swag. Vacation Races just released their full 2024 calendar and are offering a discount for Midpacker Pod listeners. Use code FREETRAIL200 and get $200 off any global adventures trip that's not already sold out. Not ready to commit to a full-on global adventure? Don't worry. Use code FREETRAIL15 and you can get 15% off any half marathon or ultra marathon that isn't sold out. It's the perfect way to dip your toes into the vacation races experience. I'm super excited about this this partnership, and I hope you are too. Check out vacationraces.com for more information. Also, a big thanks to Free Trail. If you're not a Free Trail Pro member, you are missing out. I love the Free Trail community and have been a member from the beginning. We all love trail culture. High fives during single track flybys with strangers on your Saturday long run. That feeling of acceptance and community that you only get at a trail race. Most of you, I'd guess, to say keep coming back to trail races because the community around this amazing sport is second to none. With the Free Trail Pro subscription, you can have access to that community everywhere you go. You get access to the Free Trail Slack community, training plans, 
weekly office hours that feature special guests, and so much more. The other week, we had a Q&A with none other than David Roach. From training and gear questions to seeing and getting inspiration from, from the epic adventures and races that members are doing, the free trail community is the place to be. Start your free trial today at freetrail.com. After that, it's only $96 a year for a membership. If you were a fan of all the content that Free Trail is putting out, that's a small price to pay to support some of the best written, visual, and audio content in our sport. Hope to see you in the Free Trail Slack community. And when you introduce yourself, mention the Midpacker Pod. All right, all right, all right, friends. Welcome back to the Midpacker Podcast. Uh, I'm here with my friend Jessica Vandenbush. Jessica, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. Doing great. Yeah, that's always great is like the new amazing these days. I'll be honest with you. At least that's how I feel about life. So um, before we dive in, I mean, I guess, yeah, before we dive in, I like to ask like, well, you know, who is Jessica Vandenbush? Who is she? Yeah. Loaded questions. Uh, <laughs> who is she? Um, she's a disruptor. That's who she is. Uh, she's here to cause trouble. She's flipping over tables, breaking paradigms, uh, trying things that she has no business trying, but she's getting through it. Uh, going after big things, biting off more than she can chew. That's who Jessica Vandenbush is. Ambitious. That's awesome. I mean, it's, uh, it's always good to lean into to hard things. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So what, what brought you to trail running? Like, uh, we were kind of talking about it a little bit offline and I would definitely love the audience to, to kind of hear the story. So. Yeah. I feel like you hear, like when you hear about people getting into running, there's like three different stories. There's like, I ran in college story. There's the, I started running to lose weight story. Um, I don't have any of those stories. So in my like mid thirties, I was really into boxing and I joined a dojo and started doing some mixed martial arts training and boxing, uh, in Stowe, Ohio, right outside of Akron. And my sensei was studying to be some kind of certified trainer or something. I don't even remember. His name's Albert. He was like a special forces guy from Canada. And part of his training was that he needed to teach us how to run. And so we, instead of warming up with jump ropes, we would run outside and he kind of tested us to see how fast we could run a mile. And I started running on the towpath there and I kind of really liked running. So I signed up for a 5k and then a 10k and, Throughout, like, getting involved in running, I think I did, like, a Tough Mudder and then a Spartan race. And one day I was running in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, and I saw some guys, like, running through the forest. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, where did they come from? What's that about? I don't know. It just never occurred to me that you could just run in the forest. Sure. Like, I grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up hiking and fishing and you know, it's always my job to get firewood, but it never occurred to me to go running. Um, and so I saw those people and I found some Facebook groups that were trail running clubs and I started going to those and I was hooked. I loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I guess you're so 
the running passion kind of superseded the uh, the martial arts training then? Or do you still do martial arts? No, actually, it started being a thing where on really nice days, I would skip going to the dojo to run outside um, because I loved it so much. And I was really into the mixed martial arts training and I had become an instructor and I was training to actually fight somebody. Um, there's quite a boxing community in Cleveland, Ohio, and I would go to some of the matches. And my ex-husband was a boxing judge as well. It's like a thing that we would go do. And I really wanted to fight somebody in the ring. <laughs> uh, I'm not particularly violent or anything like that, but I love boxing. I love the sportsmanship of it. I love the you can't hide. Like everything is out there. It's very vulnerable. And you have to give it literally your best shot. And so I was training to fight somebody. And then my sensei asked me if I was cool with like drooling out of the left side of my mouth for the rest of my life, or maybe having some brain damage, stutter, a stutter that just lasts forever, things like that. Cause I might get really hurt bad. And I had to consider that that might happen. The people I'm fighting have different needs and responsibilities than I do. And, you know, I told Albert that actually I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I don't want any permanent damage. I'm just here for recreation. And so I think it was shortly after that, I signed up for the Columbus Marathon, which was my first marathon. And then I looked uh, through trail running, like being in those running clubs and stuff. I learned about 50Ks and I saw a 50K training plan. And it was, you basically run a 50K, like, a couple of weeks after a marathon because the marathon's your longest training run. And so I signed up for the fuzzy Fandango 50 K. So I ran my first marathon and then my first 50 K a couple weeks apart. Nice. The fuzzy Fandango. Well, that's a, I mean, I will say it's a salient point from, from your sensei, right? It's kind of like something you may not be thinking about and, um, you know, to pose the question like, Hey, this is something you're choosing to do. So are you aware like, Hey, this, this is, this is what may or may not happen to you. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then tell me about... Well, it's good to think about the risk, right? Sure. I mean, there's the there's always a risk versus, of, uh, versus reward, right? And I think sometimes you don't, you don't realize that when you, you know, when you get in the ring and your intention, it's like, like, I think you mentioned, it's like, I'm doing this for recreation, but at the end of the day, like, do I really want, I'm, you're not necessarily in control of the outcome. And I think that's the hard part. Whereas with, mm -hmm. with running, at least for myself and my own running, like I can weigh that risk. I can say, yeah, I can put myself out there on the edge, you know, um, in, in possibly compromising circumstances, but like I am in complete control of the decisions that I'm making to get myself there and to get myself out of there. And I think that's something, um, yeah, that's good observation on, on your sensei to, to ask the pertinent questions. Right. I guess that's kind of what, that's, that's why they're called the teacher. Right. You know, so. Exactly. So the, fu yeah. the fuzzy Fandango, was this a trail race? Yes, it's a trail race in the Mohegan State Park near Loudonville, Ohio, and it benefited Camp Newhop, which is a really cool children's camp for neurodivergent children, campers, and the race started and finished there, and they had like vegan chili and I think some, some beer maybe, and there was like two people at the finish line when I crossed it. It is like a good old fashioned grassroots 
community event and it was uh very sweet as a first one yeah no that's awesome it's kind of you know i imagine you know if you came from the marathon well was there a stark difference between how the marathon finished and 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 how this grassroots 50 miler finished was it a large marathon or was it still a relatively small marathon that you ran as well on the road the Columbus Marathon is huge. Okay. There's like thousands and thousands yeah. of people. It's it's a big deal. Yeah. So there's a yeah. yeah. Imagine there's like uh, I was just having a conversation. It was like the the difference is like I get vegan chili and a beer, or I get a space blanket and a and a bagel, right? And it's kind of like, um, yeah, people really find that fi- find their love for the trails. I think when if they come from road running to the trails, there's that aha moment where you either love the road scene or you realize how much you love the trail scene. Like that's what was missing, right? Is that something that you felt like um, you kind of ran into when, when you signed up and finished the the Fandango 50? Um, I want to say that what I found at the Fuzzy Fandango was the community that I had already been a part of from going to different group runs, doing the small races, volunteering. Um, when I got into trail running, I went all in all in. Uh, and so I found those people that, that community, that collective of, of individuals at the trail thing. And it really suited me. Um, and with the road stuff, I think it's more of, I'm a trail runner no matter where I go. And so in some of the road races I've done, which are not many, but some, I show up there and bring trail to the road. You know, like if I see somebody limping on the side of the road, I stop and ask if they're okay and if they need snacks. <laughs> like I make sure I thank all the volunteers. And, you know, like people look at me like I'm crazy, but uh, I I bring trail attitude and culture anywhere I go. Yeah, that's... so the road stuff doesn't really rub me the wrong way as much because I I just show up as a guest no matter what. Yeah, that's awesome, and uh, that's very much a. Those things that you mentioned are very much like apparent in trail culture and and, and trail running. And um, you know, I, I I imagine you know it still exists in road running, but I I, I can only imagine some of the looks that, that you get on on people's faces when they're just like, "No, I'm fine, I'm trying to hit my splits," you know. And you're like, "You sure you don't need any snacks?" I mean, like <laughs> snacks, snacks are good, right? Um, yeah, that's that's really cool. So, I mean. There's a couple of places we can go. I would love to jump into, you know, I think we're going to talk about what you're doing at um, Eat Clean, Run Dirty, um, which I think is is amazing. But I would love to talk about, you know, some of your community involvement and the ways that, you know, you were kind of mentioning it, but the ways that you're kind of giving back to the running community. Um, First, I want to ask, what is the speed dating 5K? (laughs) um my favorite blunder um so in cleveland i lived in cleveland ohio for a while and um i had a group run there and you know was uh had a lot of running friends i guess and a lot of them were single and they were on dating apps and they were having no luck Um, and you know, especially when you start getting a little bit older and you're older and single, there's like less people to choose from. And I noticed some of my lonely single friends would have trouble meeting people on Bumble. Hinge wasn't around at the time or, you know, Tinder, like 
if you're like a 50 year old running person who does kayaking and mountain biking and you live in Ohio, the average person that you're going to be matched with on a dating site is like the vibrationally older than you are. I would say that not like number wise, but vibrationally older than you. They don't go running in the forest with their friends on Saturday mornings for fun. And they don't jump into waterfalls and, and things like that. They're like just kind of muggles, you know? (laughs) And so I wanted to find a way to match up my sporty adventure type single friends with other people with like similar interests, you know? And so I talked to this bar in downtown Cleveland and they were interested in my idea. And so I started with, the sweat your heart out 5k and that is uh where people signed up and i had like five different questions they could answer and i used those answers to like match people up with prospective dates and you would have one mile with each different date and so you had like three dates you ran a mile with them so you'd run your first mile together and then you'd go to a bar you could get like a hot it was cold out it was february so you could get like a hot toddy or you could get a non-alcoholic drink or whatever. And then you swap partners and then you go to the next bar and get another drink, swap partners again, and then come back and we all have dinner together. That's a very interesting concept. Um, how well did, how, how did, how, I'm still not done with it. I feel like, it, I feel like it could work in Denver for sure. I, it could work in Asheville. There are cities that I feel very, Boulder would be a great place. Yeah. Um, I, there's places it could work. Yeah. I think you need to pick and you, it, it's an interesting concept because you just have to make sure that there's a, a vibrant community of outdoors people that you can, you, you yeah. could try to like make those connections with. I think that's really interesting. How did the inaugural event actually plan out? Like, do you know people to, do people reach out to you and say, Oh my God, Jessica, thank you for the speed gating 5k because like we're happily married and have 15 kids now. <laughs> that would be the dream, actually. That would be amazing. No, uh, because it went terribly wrong. Um, first of all, any 5K in the middle of February in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> is probably going to be cold. Yeah, Like this was. It was like eight degrees outside. Oh. Uh, people were freezing their asses off. It was so cold. So that's thing one. Like only half the people showed up because it was freezing. Um, thing two, like some people signed up and they didn't believe it was running. Like we had girls that like made it a mile to the first thing and they called an Uber and they went back to the start and they're like, what? You mean there's actually running like thing three, like, believe it or not, like, I don't care. Like I am a completely trail runner, right? Like I would be okay going on a first date and have it be a trail run and, I probably end up with mud all over me, completely messed up, um, changing my clothes in the parking lot. I'd probably end up blowing a snot rocket because I'm not paying attention. Like I'm comfortable with all these scenarios, but most people, I think even sporty types um, are a little self-conscious about running on the first date or meeting people. Um, so then there's that aspect of it as well. And then there's not, there was not a proportionate amount of people like guys and girls interested. And 
So um, that was also tricky. Yeah. But I think in a bigger city or not in the dead of winter, um, I think it put, it has potential. So if anybody listening to this wants to have the second Sweat Your Heart Out 5K, give me a call. We'll talk about it. I've got some updates. Okay. Well, I mean, you got it. I mean, that's the other thing too about running events is you kind of have to, it's a, uh, sometimes you have to just kind of beat your head against the wall with the inaugural event to figure out, um, where all the pain points are. And then, and then you kind of have to, you know, kind of work through those things. And I think, you know, I'll be honest with you, just looking at it from my marketing and entrepreneurial lens, yeah, just wrong place, wrong time, wrong demographic. Right. So I think you have an amazing idea here and I think it's all about, uh, making sure that you have the right product market fit. And I imagine like, Ohio, like you said, Ohio in February, just like was, was not aligning the demographics that, that were needed to have a successful, um, to, to throw, to throw a successful event. So, uh, lastly, I want to give a shout out to run trail life. Are you looking for the perfect tee to wear after your long run? Want to represent your love of the trails off the trails? Then check out Run Trail Life, the casual apparel company that lets you show off your love of trail and ultra running while giving back to ensure that everyone has access to the beauty of nature for generations to come. RTLTs are 100% organic cotton or made from recycled water bottles. And $1 from every purchase is donated to Runners for Public Lands, a not-for-profit whose mission is to advance the development of diverse, high-quality trails and greenways for the benefit of people and communities. I am super passionate about this company because I am the founder and solo entrepreneur behind it. So if you love the content, consider supporting me directly with a purchase. And if you use code MidpackerPod, we will double the donation from your purchase to Runners for Public Lands. Visit RunTrailLife.com and live the Run Trail Life. So I want to ask you. Sure. Are you a climber? I am not a climber. Um, I would like to... I don't mind. I like scrambling, um, but I don't have any, I think the last time I climbed was like, um, you know, I was like 12 or 13 and we did like a repelling thing. It was like some outward bound thing that I did. So yeah, no, no climbing experience. Can I take over monster and tell you a story? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I'm a hobby climber. I don't consider myself a climber, but sometimes I go climbing. So here I am, Denver, Colorado, last year, Global Climbing Day. My day job is I work at the North Face, and they've asked me to attend an event at this really cool climbing gym here in Denver for, for the day. And five of the greatest boulderers in history of mankind ever that anybody's ever known, like... I don't know how much more I can say the greatest ever. The the goats are in the house. The climbers are there with me. Yeah, the goats are in the house. The goats are in the house. There's a herd of goats (laughs) in the house. And I came in licking my wounds. I had just gone to Fat Dog 120 and had my ass handed to me with a DNF. Brutal. And was feeling low you know I, I think i ended up getting cut for time in that race at like mile 93 or 90 or oh. something like it was i got it very far away it, i can go on for all the problems with that day and another thing but it was messed up anyway i got i got dnf at that race and then i come to global climbing day and i'm with these guys and 
They're super cool, very down to earth, very nice. Um, and they're asking me about what I do and what my last race was. And, you know, I was kind of a little embarrassed, you know, like I wanted to be cool. I wanted to show them my buckle, but I didn't have one, you know, like <laughs> it sucked. It really sucked. And uh, one of the climbers looked at me and they're like, wait a minute, how many times have you tried this race? And I was like, well, just, just the once, you know, and they just looked at me and they're like, so, so you went and tried once and you're going to be upset that you didn't get it the first time. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, like, and they're like, well, cause in climbing, they call like when you're bouldering, they call that your problem. Yeah. It's yep. like your boulder yep. problem. And that's the problem you're working on. You're working on the problem. You're working the problem. And this guy looks at me and he had just climbed, he got back from Switzerland and he climbed a V17, which is like the most difficult problem in the world for real. And he said to me, Jess, I failed a hundred times before I climbed that boulder a hundred times. Like I camped out and just failed all day all day again and again like all I did was fail all day long until I finally got it and I learned so much every time and I just kept going back and like working the problem and you're gonna tell me that you're here feeling bad about yourself you tried once like come on and it just it made me have this entirely different perspective on our goals and what we're trying to do um and to have this world-class climber and this climbing attitude basically of like work the problem like keep going you know like so when I think of like things that I don't stick the landing on the first try I now think back to you know what Daniel Woods told me about the boulder problem and like to keep working it you know and so yeah so yeah it might have been wrong place wrong time but I know that now and if I feel like working that problem some more, you know, I might try it somewhere different. Right. Well, it's like kind of the fail failing forward, right. That's kind of the, that's like in, in, in climbing, it's no one, I would say no one's perfect, but at the same time, there's, there's that opportunity for failure and you have to kind of learn and grow from it. I mean, that being said, after having that experience, um, you know, when are you going back to fat dog? When am I go so the course is messed up. So not this year, but potentially next year. Nice. The trouble with Fat Dog is it is like a a mountain race in the United States, which means they have to happen in basically like July or August. Yeah. Because of the snow. And that makes it prime fire season. Yeah. And so there's lots of races stacked up that time of year. And then uh, it's all tentative because everything might be on fire. So uh, I'll go back and try it when it's the original course or as original-ish as it can be. Um, and the new race directors had a couple of years at, over there. Yet. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of the one thing about, you know, ultra running or just running in general. And they definitely say it. We say about ultra running, it's like it's more about problem solving than it is. It's as much about problem solving as it is about running. And every once in a while, you know, you just can't quite find a solution to the problem. Right. And it's, it's, it's not a if it's when, um, as individuals, we're going to have to, you know, fail 
at the goal and then, you know, come back at it. So, um, I will say I've found that in our community, we have a, you know, we're, there's a lot of us type a people that are like, cool. Like, like, like I'm doing like next year I'm coming, you know I mean? Like whatever it is, like I failed. Okay, cool. I'm coming back until I get it right. And, uh, then, yeah, you know, I, it, it'll happen. You know, it's not a, if it's when for, for, for that one. So I, I don't care about revenge. Like I don't care about that. And I don't care about going back to prove, I don't care about proving myself either. I know what I'm working with yeah. and I feel confident in that. Um, and I'll go back to the races that interest me, but I don't care about revenge like that. Some people do. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I'm definitely one of those people. I, I tried to, uh, personal, <laughs> really quickly, personal story. I know it's, this pod's not about me. It's about you right now, but I, during the pandemic, I was like, Oh, I'm going to set the unsupported FKT on the lost coast. And I looked at the route and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just got to get in good shape. And it chewed me up. Like it just destroyed me. And I remember being in the truck and my wife is driving me home and I'm like in the car, like delusion, del just, I just wasted out of it. And I'm like, I mean, it would turned into like a 10 mile zombie March to get to the finish of this thing. Like the wheels just like flew off. And I was like, I'm going to go back next year. Like I w wasn't even like, I didn't even sleep on it. I was, it was literally like four hours after realizing I didn't make it. And, um, I went back next year and had, you know, I kind of put all my eggs in that basket. It was like the one focus. Um, and I went out, I came out and had a, an, an exceptional day. And it was one of those things where like, I had to kind of eat a little humble pie. I had to see the course. I had to like experience how hard it really was. Um, cause on paper, it just doesn't look nearly as difficult as it really is. And then, um, approach that. And like, literally it was a calendar, almost a calendar year and a, a calendar year and a month to the day to the day that I went back to do it. And it was just like, it became an all encompassing thing for me. So I'm definitely, I don't know if I'm one of those people, like you said, like, I don't care about revenge. Like, I mean, in that instance, I definitely cared about revenge. So, but yeah. Anyway, um, what well, I think that there's a difference between revenge and problem solving. Totally. I agree with you there. 100%. Yeah. 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 And maybe you found in that trail kind of like your Rubik's cube a little bit. I did. And there were things that I changed and things that I did differently that were a big part of, um, the ultimate success on the second attempt for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also I want to say too, that there's a reason why most people, pro trail runners go run the course before the race. <laughs> like it's really helpful. Yeah. Get some beta. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's a reason why they go early and they're out at Madeira Island for six weeks before the race or whatever. Like there's a reason why they do that. It's not just because they can or that it's cool. It's because um, they're getting to know the course and kind of formulating a plan. And so Anytime you can go collect information or go to sections of the course or learn, or if you don't have resources, watch a YouTube video. Yeah. Somebody probably GoPro that. Yeah. Um, it helps tremendously. Yeah, I definitely agree there. It also helps that like, at least from the pro athlete, from the pro athlete standpoint, like I have a serious taper. Like when I taper for an A goal, like I taper, like it's a three week process. And like, I love seeing like most pros, it's like, oh, we'll just cut back the week of, you know? So they're basically, even if they go out there like three weeks early, there was, that first week they're able to go like run most of the course because they're doing 100 mile weeks or whatever. And they're able to just like break it up into like three or four days. Um, 
so anyway, I mean, pro, pros and cons of being an, uh, a highly tuned endurance machine, I guess. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Anytime you can kind of get any beta. And I love the insight of um, checking out a live stream or checking out a YouTube video because you really do get an idea. Like you, you're not foot on the trail, but it does give you some serious insight on, on like what you're going to expect when, when, when you show up to the event. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, continuing on this thread of like some of the things that you're doing, um, you know, with the community, obviously like you, you love, a, you love to organize events. Um, you're a community, uh, leader. Um, you know, I know, um, you know, this year you were an aid station captain at, at, at the Jerome aid station at the Coca Dona 250. Like I would love to talk about that. The race intrigued me. I was, um, I was visiting my family on, they were on the East coast of North Carolina, like an Airbnb for a couple of weeks. And I was visiting for a week. Um, and I remember like my dad and, and, um, and my, uh, my second mother, I, I always get it confused, whether it's my stepmother or mother-in-law, my mom. So they come back from a bike ride and they're like get, t- getting out of their gear or whatever. And I'm like, you guys know, like, I know you guys know this, but the live stream for Cocodona is on. And they're like, yeah, of course we know. They're like, what's that? And then I like had the iPad on like all weekend long. Uh, and you know, by day two, my mom is like looking at the iPad. Like she's like, like everyone just kind of slowly gravitated into the live stream. And they're like, this is actually really interesting. And it's so crazy. Cause like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a seven, it's a five day, a five day foot race. Um, I think it helps that they're both like uh, big road cyclists and in, in kind of endurance junkies in their own right. So they kind of understand like what it takes, you know, kind of can wrap their head around what it takes, but it definitely became like a fun topic of conversation. But, um, I would love to talk about your experience at Cocodona this year. Yeah, so I've been the aid station captain at the Jerome aid station every year of since the inaugural year of Cocodona. Um, Jerome is about smack in the middle. Uh, there was last year, there was a little bit a different route because of a fire, but we're at like mile, depending on what map you look at, between 126 and 128 of the race. Okay. And originally, I I you know reached out to Steve Adderall, who's a friend of mine, to you know captain this aid station, and I wanted that one because it's further than I've ever ran before. Right, I think the furthest I've ran is like 111 miles, and so I was interested in potentially doing my own 200 mile race sometime. And I think that there's no better way to learn than to volunteer and be in service of other people. Mm, And so I picked a spot that I thought would be hard and kind of gave myself to it. Um, Jerome is a really interesting spot to have an aid station. And I don't know what your experience has been watching the live stream, but uh, video cameras have been forbidden from showing anything happening at Jerome in the past. It's like a city preference. They don't want anybody to tag Jerome or talk about Jerome or post pictures of Jerome. So my aid station has been top secret for a long time. That's awesome. And uh, this year it was amazing because I have to say, did you see anything about my aid station this year? Or did you see, Uh, like, do you know anything? I know. I I do not. I, the only thing I do, I've been to through Jerome. So I do know it's like this crazy little tiny town carved out the side of, of a a hill, basically. Like it's, it's kind of um, this amazing picturesque little 
cute Arizona, cute, I guess. Yeah. Arizona town. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really epic spot to be. Um, so yeah, talk, talk about the aid station. I mean, it top breaking it right here on the mid pack, mid packer podcast. <laughs> Top secret. So first of all, yes. First of all, I have to tell everybody that I absolutely love Arizona. And I feel like this happens to me all the time when I go to a place and I'm there experiencing it. Like nobody ever told me it was this cool. So I'm telling you now that Arizona is super cool. It's gorgeous. The sunsets are insane. The sunsets are like fire. Um, Also, the thing about Arizona is like everything's sharp. Like the dirt is sharp. Cactuses are sharp. There's like lizards, you know, like everything there is sharp and kind of dangerous. Um, the Cocodona 250 starts in Black Canyon City and it goes up and over all kinds of different mountains, meanders all over the place and ends in downtown Flagstaff. So Jerome is a historic mining town that is built on the side of, I don't know if you call it a mountain, but like a foothill. Yeah, It's built on the side of a foothill where there's like a switchback road that goes up the side of a hill and the town's built along the hill and there's really cool like trees and stuff some people say it looks kind of like tuscany um it's very special there's vineyards all around it too um for a while i think he sold it but the lead singer of tool maynard owned a vineyard that was in jerome that's kind of the first thing people know about jerome um and it's haunted like it's super haunted that uh, the city is definitely haunted and they did not want us there. Like they did not want the race coming through Jerome. And so my first year at the Jerome aid station, we were forbidden from taking pictures, forbidden from having music. We could not have above a conversational voice during the day. And at night we had to be silent. Uh, so, so, and also, um, so it's a silent. So it was a silent retreat. Are, it was an aid station that doubled as a silent retreat. It was a silent <laughs> retreat aid station, um, which would be weird enough, but also Jerome's haunted, and so it makes everything very eerie. Like it felt like an episode of Scooby Doo, and on top of that, something that's different about working an aid station in Arizona that I've not had anywhere else is that I had to get a food handler's permit in the state of Arizona and the health department came and took the pH balance of my watermelon and tested the temperature of my ramen noodles. And they like investigated our aid station and there was a ton of pressure. Jess, if you guys take a picture and tag it, if your ramen noodles are the wrong temperature, if you guys make a peep, the, like the neighbor, the mayor is literally coming to your aid station to investigate. Like they were going to never let the race come through that city again. Um, and so there was a high amount of pressure. And so that's just to set the table. That's the first year we had it. And it went well. The second year, um, they let us back and we were welcomed by the community we got a little bit louder. And then this last year, so just, I had to put that back there. This past year, since moving to Denver, which is a new thing for me, I've lived here since November, I've made a lot of friends in the Burning Man community. And while none of my Burning Man friends in Colorado are runners, they are good at camping and providing aid because that's basically what Burning Man is. And so I invited a caravan of Burning Man people down to Arizona 
to run the Cocodona Jerome Aid Station with me. And so we had performance dancing, we had DJs, we had sound healing, we had body healing. Um, we had all kinds of uh, really special things. We had amazing costumes, makeup. Um, I brought Burning Man to the Cocodona 250 this last year. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, to go from the silent retreat to Burning Man in three years is is pretty is a pretty epic transformation. Obviously, um, you, you you set a pretty good example in that first year with with Jerome. I didn't. I've heard that Jerome can be a pretty inclusive or exclusive exclusive um, community, but I didn't realize that they were um, that it was kind of on that level. I guess it makes sense though. Um, they were probably concerned. They had no idea what they were getting themselves into. And then they, they likely got a little taste of, you know, I hate to say like trail culture, but the trail running community and realizing, you know, what, what amazing people we are. And, and and they probably over the, obviously over the years, they changed their tune. Well, I think empathy is like good in all scenarios. Right. And so thinking about if this isn't your normal shtick and you don't like run these races for fun. It's not part of your purview. Um, and somebody approached you with it, you might think it's kind of like a marathon, right? Like maybe, you know, about the Boston marathon or New York totally. city marathon, um, stuff like that. And so you imagine a lot of, a lot of people, you imagine yelling and, um, Dixie cups thrown everywhere and disregard and, things like that. And so, yeah, I, if I lived in Jerome, I wouldn't want that coming down my street either. Right. And so, um, yeah, we brought trail culture and kind of went over their hearts, I'd say. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I know that's, I've never, so it's, I'm so glad that, that we were able to kind of talk on that. Cause I had no idea, you know, usually when I think about just Cocodona long race, um, you know, especially with Cocodona the live stream, they were just talking about like, how welcoming most of all the towns were, you know, for, for it. And like, that's the thing about mm -hmm. Cocodona is you're kind of like, you're getting this tour of Arizona. So you're kind of going into all these little towns on the route. And usually the main aid station is set up like somewhere in the middle of town, you know? Um, so that's definitely interesting that you guys had to like, uh, I mean, prove your salt, so to speak with, with, with Jerome. Um, it, yeah. And, and then if you ever, I guess if you're familiar with Jerome or you ever want to go there, I recommend it. Um, our aid station is at the very top of a hill at the state park historic museum. And so we are in the parking lot of a historical museum where we have uh, like park rangers and things like that there too. Um, so it's, it's a different it's a different vibe. Some of the aid stations are like in the middle of the desert, you know, and have campfires. And this year too, honestly. Um, so I always strive to be like the greatest aid station that you've ever experienced. And it's really important to me. I've been into some pretty cool aid stations myself and it can really like, that's part of why you do the race in the first place. I do. I do it for like pretty vistas and like the trail and like the country you'll see. But then I also do it, to like get to know that local community or the people that are involved with that race, like the race family, if you will. And, you know, race family um, can really show up in a meaningful way through aid station arts. And um, so I really strive to, like I said, you know, like bring some magic into it, but this year satisfy 
the running company, um, sponsored the aid station at Phantom Ranch right before my aid station. And they had... They threw down. Such posh uh, digs over there. They had these gorgeous leather couches and like beautiful catered food. Um, you know, it was very hip, very cool, very stylish. The folks at Satisfy, I know some of them. Um, they're amazing people. And, you know, like I've done some stuff with Satisfy. But to have like the satisfy aid station right before my aid station kind of put some pressure on, you know? Um, but as far as I can tell, I don't think they had any dancers or uh sound healing. So <laughs> I think we're doing okay. Yeah. Brought, it definitely brought a, a unique vibe, right? Um, well, sorry about that. Y'all. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, one thing I wanted to ask though, is did you get a chance to try some Flota? I did not no, but like the sound of like flat soda uh, sounds yeah. terrible for me. I'm not that person. I like the bubble. I like the bubble. And if I drink soda when I'm running, I I don't want flat soda. Yeah. I know that that's what like cool people drink, but I'm not cool. So yeah, I like I like the bubbly kind. I I like the bubbles too. And just for for the listeners, if you're not aware, um, Satisfy dropped a product at. Um, at Coca Dona, and they called it Flota, and they had um, Versteague was is on the can, and it's basically these little like mini like mini soda cans, and um, it's flat soda, Flota, flat soda. So um, it was kind of all the rage. They had a commercial, and and they had it available for runners at um, at their aid station at at Coca Dona. So um, I was I was well, trying- I'm officially thinking of some way to challenge them next year uh, in some kind of a station duel throwing down the gauntlet um i haven't figured it out yet but i'm gonna challenge satisfy team somehow in some kind of best off aid stationing oh i i am sure you will come up with um something fun and unique uh in in true jess fashion so um well that's that's really awesome uh you know i coconut is on my radar i'm not sure when i'm gonna do my first plus 200 mile event well plus 100 mile event honestly but um i do i i've had a couple friends that have ran it and they've all said amazing things about it uh so you know maybe one day uh i will be getting some sound healing at your aid station uh at jerome so wonderful yeah um so i'd love to talk i mean i i you so there's two things i wanted to really discuss with you and that was eat eat clean run dirty and then um you know you dropped this amazing movie called netty from ohio and i definitely want to spend some time talking about that too but you know you're the you're the founder and editor editor in chief of of eat clean run dirty and this is a a print periodical so for all you listeners out there who may or may not know you know they used to print a lot of things on stuff called paper with images and writing and all kinds of stuff. And it would get delivered to your door if you had a subscription and you could actually turn the pages. It was like a very tactile experience. Um, and something that I think, you know, Jessica, that, that you guys do really well at, at, um, eat clean, run dirty is, um, provide a really unique expect experience and, uh, uh, viewpoint for, uh, for trail running. And if you could just talk to, you know, why eat, run, eat, eat clean, run dirty. Um, why like the, the print magazine format, uh, and, um, yeah, just kind of talk, talk to, to this endeavor for, for a little bit for our audience. Yeah. So 
print magazines. So I've been a fan of print magazines since I was a little kid. And I subscribed to Highlights magazine and, you know, would do the little activity thing on the back and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if anybody <laughs> is old like I am and remembers Highlights magazine, but uh, and National Geographic and things like that. And, and um, I find prints really inspiring because it's an experience having it in your hand. Um, and I subscribe to a few different magazines myself. So Eat Clean, Run Dirty is basically, I guess, to describe it, what, what does that mean? What does Eat Clean, Run Dirty mean? Because sometimes people give me shit about Eat Clean, like, ah, ha, ha, I eat pizza. <laughs> like, um, so Eat Clean means being intentional about what you put into your body, what you absorb, what you take in, what you ingest. And that means everything it means doing sound healings it means meditating it means getting good sleep it means reading interesting books or going to an improv class it means you know like challenging your mind um listening to great music eating local um having a garden getting your hands dirty taking your shoes off at the end of a run and feeling the earth between your toes um inputs right? Be intentional about your inputs. It matters. It really matters. And run dirty because trail running, but also because like have big, crazy goals that scare you and then be brave in the pursuit, you know? And that's, that's that, you know, I think there's a race in Ohio that they invite the special Olympics to come and members of the team do like their oath at the beginning. And, and I'm going to say it wrong, but um, I believe their oath is like something about like, let me win. But if I cannot win, let me be brave in the pursuit. It's something like oh. that. Um, and it's killing me. I don't know exactly the thing I should no, have. Heard, right heard though. But the sentiment he, is heard. Yeah. And, and apply that to everything. It's, you know, like go big, get messy. Like, don't be afraid to look stupid. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to, you know, I, I have sauce on your chin, you know, like go at it, like suck the marrow out of life and go big, like full send. And so that is what eat clean, run dirty means. And that really shapes the kind of stories you can expect to find in it. There's no finishing times that we ever print. God, I will never rank people. Like I will never rank humans. Like that's disgusting to me. That will never happen. Um, there's never going to be a story about how to lose weight to run faster. Uh, <laughs> but we will have stories about culture and about heart and you know, about the human experience. So I'd say it's a magazine about trail running culture and travel and adventure and mystery. And sometimes we have stories written about runners, written by runners, and sometimes they're written about volunteers or community members too. Like you don't have to be a runner to enjoy this magazine. And then, yeah, nice. that's, that's what Eclair or Dirty is. Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. And it's, is it like, can, um, the content is mostly community sponsored or is it stuff? I mean, it just kind of depends issue by issue. It's, it's, it's a, is it a lot of, um, 
just content and writing that's being like submitted from members of our community in, into uh, to be publicated. So it's everything and both. The answer is yes. Cool. Um, and it's literally like it is decided on. I have a loose theme for each magazine that I sometimes I don't necessarily make public, but there's a certain vibe of each issue. And um, I usually open each issue with some kind of quote and then accompanied by a letter from the editor. And then the stories all have a through line. There is a through line, a theme to the different stories. I don't necessarily spell it out to people. Um, and I get, I get those stories, you know, from all different community members, I would say, and artists and creators and things like that. Awesome. Um, yeah. And we'll link to the show notes. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's, I believe the website's a eat clean run dirty.com, right? Yeah, that's it. Nice. Um, so let's talk about Nettie from Ohio before, um, we'll, we'll round out the conversation and talk about some of the other things that, that, that you have planned for the year. But, um, who is Nettie from Ohio? So Annetta Zapatella is a lady who's from Circleville, Ohio, who I met running my first hundred mile race, the Burning River 100. And um, she was running her first hundred mile race too. And I think we shared 40 miles together that day. Nice. And uh, she's got a heavy Polish accent. She's an immigrant. She came over from Poland when she was, I think, 22 years old. And um, she's a librarian. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's a community organizer. She's a race director. And she's a, a remarkable human being. And um, this last year, I applied for a grant from Fujifilm to make my first documentary movie. And I wanted to make a movie about a woman who ran hundred mile races because I want there to be more girls, more women at the starting line. It's about 20% female right now at best. Um, some a little bit lower. It seems like the further the distance you go, the more rugged the terrain, the more remote, gnarly the races, the less women show up. And I want to fix that number. But instead of, pointing my finger at problems, which there's a lot of problems. There's some good people working on it, but there's plenty of problems and plenty of things you could complain about. Instead of doing that, I wanted to influence that 20% number through representation and storytelling. And there are some remarkable women out there in our sport that we do see movies about, you know, like just a, I'll pick on Courtney, right? Like, Courtney DeWalter is amazing and she's a, you know, like a, she's such good energy and like there's literally all day long. There's only good things I can think of about Courtney. But when I see a movie about Courtney, I don't think, Oh, I could do that. <laughs> I don't think that like she's genetically gifted and works really hard and, you know, like lives in golden and runs mountains all the time. And, you know, it just doesn't seem accessible. I don't look at Courtney and think, ah, that could be me. And so 
I wanted to make a movie about somebody who isn't a pro, doesn't live in the mountains, isn't a young person, you know, but they're still doing it. They're doing it anyway. So Nettie runs hundred mile races and she does so, you know, in between work and kids and family and house. And she pulls a car tire around the cul-de-sac in her neighborhood in Ohio. And she, um, she's 50 years old and she's badass. And, you know, I don't want to say that I made a movie about a normal lady because there's nothing normal about Nettie, but she is, you know, has all these things in her life and she's found a way to still do it anyway. And she's tough. And most women I know are pretty tough too. And so my hope is that people see this movie about Nettie and think, well, see it like they relate to some part of Nettie and think, oh, if Nettie can do it, maybe I can. I want the movie Nettie from Ohio to be a hall pass to women with big dreams. That's amazing. Yeah. And I love, I mean, it kind of, it makes me think about something we talked about in the, the beginning of this conversation with, um, you know, you've, you've, you not having the best day at fat dog and then relaying that information to a bunch of climbers. And these guys are like, yeah, but it's a problem. Right. And you gotta, you just have to keep working at solving the problem. And I love that as opposed to, like you said, I don't want to point fingers. Right. And you, you, you there's not enough fingers to point at the problems. Right. But you can take action and you can lead through community engagement. You can lead through example. And I love that you decided that you, the way that you would add value to finding a solution to the problem of participation in, um, in our sport is I'm going to create some content that can resonate where, and it's like, and I will, I'll take your words, the everyday woman. And like I said, none, there's nothing everyday about anyone that decides to do hard things um, can really relate to the experience and they can say, they can see themselves in that experience. And like you said, you know, Courtney's amazing and she's an inspiration, but she's not the kind of inspiration that people can actually like relate to and say like, Oh, I see myself in that person. Just like you said. So I think that's, that's amazing. Um, and how long, I mean, how long did this project take you? It took me a full year. It took me a year. And from the time I found out I won the grant until it premiered at the trail running film festival, it was one full year. Nice. And then it, so just briefly, it, it follows Nettie's journey on a specific goal that she's trying to attend. uh, She's trying to, to accomplish in the, in, in the year. Um, we followed Nettie running Western state. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. So just so everyone knows, I've got a 13 month old living his best life in the room next door. So if we hear, um, if you hear what sounds like a, a dinosaur or a pterodactyl, um, that that's just my son, Logan. So just prefacing that for everybody. That's really, that's really awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I'm excited. I can't, um, I can't say that I've seen, I've seen the trailer for the film. I can't see that. Um, I have that I've seen it, but I'm definitely excited to see it. We can link to it. Is it, can it only be seen right now on the trail running, uh, film festival or is, uh, 
can the audience find it on YouTube? Well, actually, by the time this show is live, it will be on YouTube as well. Cool. So it was part of the agreement of it being able to premiere at yep. the festival that it would tour. Um, and then they did like a online thing where you could stream the festival. And we're about to put it up on YouTube for everybody to see. So it will be at eatcleanrundirty.com. Sweet. Yeah. And we'll, like I said, we'll have all those links in the show notes. So, you know, that's, that's really awesome. And, you know, I think, you, you know, there's a, there's a big, I wouldn't say like a white space, big, uh, there's a, there's a big wide, a blue, there's a blue ocean here of the need for more, not just content about females, but female content creators telling that, t- telling the female story. Cause I think that's where you're going to create that resonance. That's where you're going to create, um, you know, authenticity with, with the storytelling, um, is to really like align, you know, all, all of that. And it's like the female participation is really underserved, but also I think, um, you know, I think it, this is also changing too, but I think, you know, for the longest time, like content, you know, filmmaking, all these things were very, it's just like with trail running. It's, there's a specific demographic that was involved in creating the vast majority of the content, just like there's a specific demographic that's involved in, in a lot of the participation in our sport and kudos to you, Jessica, for, um, you know, going out of your way to, to help reshape, to help break and reshape that mold. So. Thank you. Yeah, I did notice um, in making a movie about the gender gap in trail running, there's a pretty big gender gap in filmmaking as well. Yes. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it, it's a, it's very, it's a, you know, to go back to the problem, right? Like you were, you had that experience with the lost trail. If you went out there and you ran part of that trail and, you know, like you weren't even, gone and you're like I, I have to come back here I have to do this and that feeling that you had in doing that that's how I feel about the movie or about any of the magazine or any of the art like it is that that gets me so excited for the next one like I can't wait to try this a different way try a different angle this way tell a different kind of story have a different subject um that is my Rubik's Cube um kind of to play yeah. with yeah no that's awesome and it just so happens that the muse is is ultra run is run is trail running right and that's 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 something that i think we can all relate to as well so um yeah so i know so before we start talking about some of the things that you're going to do and we can start rounding off this conversation i mean just in talking like the first you know the last 40 minutes of our conversation has been about some of the the, the things that you are doing right and you know you have a full-time job plus you're the editor in chief and founder of a print periodical. Um, you're captaining aid stations. You're putting on um, events on your own. Uh, you're you're producing uh, movies. You know you're wearing a lot of hats. You're doing a lot of things. You know how you know how do you balance all that stuff? And I know I mean I I I believe you're a, you're a mother as well. So it's like there's you know there's many hats and many plates spinning behind your head. So um, you know is and this is kind of a selfish thing for me. I, I, I like to ask this of all my guests because I'm a new father and I'm trying to figure out like, how do I balance all of, all of the things and still make sure that I'm like, that I'm making, I'm making sure that there's time for, for me to do the the pursuits and the things that I love to do. So, you know, just 
just thinking about all the things you're doing makes my head spin. So I'd love to hear, you know, what are, what does it look like to try to balance, to, to create the balancing act around your life right now? Balance is fake news. <laughs> Throw it out the window. Hot, There's no hot such take. Thing. Nice. Hot take. Balance is not real. Um, okay. You need to do work that you are willing to be fully absorbed in. And, you know, if you want to have a family too, then I would say find something that you love that you can throw your kid in a backpack and then go do that. Um, do it together. Yeah. I would say, you know, you ever hear some like, you know, when you're learning about personal finances and things like that, like it's a kind of a rule to pay yourself first, right? Like you take your, your first 10% or whatever, and you put it in the savings account before you pay any bills, like you pay yourself first. And you, I would recommend that you do that with your time and your Mm. attention. That if it's something that's really important to you, wake up early. And do that first. Do it before the day gets away from you. Wake up early. Become a morning person. And I say that as somebody who, if you would have asked me five years ago, I would have laughed at you about being a morning person. And like, that's, that's also fake news. Like, that's not real. But I challenge you with design a life where waking up is a hell yeah. yeah. And you can't wait to get started. And if you don't feel that way about your life, you need to make some changes. Yeah, yeah very cool. That's what yeah, I think. No, I, I, <laughs> I'm a little feisty about it, but that's that's where I'm at with it. Like, I can't wait to do this stuff. And I hope I don't have any balance. I hope it eats me alive. Yeah. Like, I want the magazine to eat me alive. I love it so much. Like, find something yeah, like that. Well, I can definitely feel your passion about it. And I think that's... Uh, that's part of what, um, you know, creating this podcast was about, but then also, um, you know, just, you know, I definitely resonate with that. Um, you know, do you first. And I usually, I try to prioritize that. Um, sometimes it means getting up really early. Sometimes it means not necessarily having to get up really early, but ultimately, you know, how do you make it to where if it, takes you two hours to do the things that you need to do for yourself, whether that's a meditation practice a running practice, um, eating a good breakfast, all those kind of things, you know, make sure that you're doing, you're doing you first. And then that, yeah, I, I feel that it allows you to show up. It allows you to show up as your, the best version of yourself for everyone else around you. Right. Well, and I would say too, while we're just talking about like kind of person advice, um, have a morning routine and have an evening routine. They're super important. Even if there's only a couple of things in each one, have a morning routine and evening routine. Um, I would also say journal, journal and meditate. Um, That will really bring to the forefront, like what's going on. How are you spending your time? What are you doing? Um, So that you're not just going through the motions. You, you know, kind of have more control over what you're doing. And then I also want to say too, because I could see people listening to this and, you know, maybe they're like, well, sure, Jess, like, I wish I could just make a movie or <laughs> I wish, you know, I could, um, I, I wish I could do that, but I'm, I'm an accountant, you know, this is what I do. So like all these things that I've been talking about, I hired myself for them. 
Like I wasn't waiting with my hand up saying, pick me, pick me. Mm. I hired myself and I decided I wanted to be a photographer. So I figured out how to use a camera and I decided I wanted to have a magazine. I had to figure out graphic design. You know, like I hired myself for all of these jobs and whatever it is, you know, maybe you have a kids, maybe you have a, you know, a house that you have to take care of a garden. Maybe you have, you know, a job or responsibilities, but find an hour a day, you know, find the, the couple of, you know, a little bit of time in the morning on Saturday before the kids wake up where you can wake up early and you can spend an hour writing, spend an hour writing poetry because like, that's your dream. You want to be a poet. Well, like, guess what? You are like, you know, hire yourself to be the poet. Um, find that space and, and pay yourself first, I guess, with like scratching that itch that's in your heart. And you keep doing that. And, you know, it's just like, you know, people in the audience probably, you know, this resonates with them. Like if you run, you're a runner, you know, if you run, you're yeah. a runner. And if you, if you write, you're a writer. And if you take photos, you're a photographer. Um, make those things come true for yourself. Yeah, I love that. Bet on, bet on you first, right? That's, that's huge. And I agree. I think so many people, um, and this is a conversation I've had with, with my wife, with my partner and, you know, she doesn't run as much as I run. And she's like, Oh, but I'm not, you know, we've had the conversation. Like, I don't really think of myself as a runner. I was like, yeah, but, but you run. So you're a runner. And she's like, yeah, I guess so. But it was kind of a, like, it, it kind of, you, it was about having that conversation and then creating a space where you, you could kind of, I don't want to say it's not like, it's not about acceptance, but it's about realizing like, just because, you know, I hate to be like, just cause you're not Elliot Kipchoge doesn't mean you're not a, a marathon runner, right? Like if you run a marathon, you're a marathon runner. If, if you run a mile, you're a runner. If you run a hundred feet, you're a runner. Right. And it's just about, like you said, getting up and, and doing it and putting in the work. And, you know, I love the saying like chop wood, carry water, right. You just have to do the work. It's about mm -hmm. putting in the repetitions and, and with the repetitions, you will become what you want to become. You'll get, you'll get better at the craft. You'll get better at what it, whatever it is that, that you choose to do as, as long as like you so eloquently put, you know, put it like you, you got to bet on yourself and you got to hire yourself first. I love that. So, so Jess, let's talk, like, we've done, man, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to talk about what, what you got going on for this year from a running standpoint. Cause we've talked, we talked a little bit about running in the beginning. We talked a little bit about running during the Cocodona 250 aid station, um, stuff, but we've done a lot of talking about, um, all the things that you're doing that's not running. So, uh, you know, what does your calendar look like this year? What, what are the things that are getting you, what's getting you excited from a running standpoint that, 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 that you're trying to accomplish this year? So I am going to run the crazy mountain 100 in Montana and I'm signed up for pine of palm in Oregon. I'm on the wait list for the bear because I need a hard rock qualifier. Mm. So I get in the bear. I might not be able to go do um, pine yeah. of palm. So that's kind of up in the air. I don't know. I don't know. And then um, my coach keeps telling me that it would help me if I, you know, kind of did other smaller practice races rather Just than always having these giant <laughs> hard ones. Um, and so 
there is I forget I forget what it's called. It's I gotta sign up for it today. There's a silver a race in, it's like a 50k in Silverton that I'm gonna sign up for. I forgot what it's called. Um so there's a 50k I'm gonna do that should also be I mean it sounds like oh it's just a 50k but it's that's gonna be pretty hard it's It's gonna be at altitude with with Uh, lots of elevation right yes yes exactly and um so I'll do that as well so that's that's a couple of things I'm looking forward to and okay so here's the other crazy thing I'm gonna go backpacking for the first time I like camp all the time and I've done what some people think of as deranged backpacking where not really backpacking, but when I go run these really long races and it takes me a very long time, I like wrap myself in a mylar blanket and sleep for five minutes under a tree (laughs) and I just run all night long, but, um, I've never gone backpacking. And so I've got a backcountry permit for the four pass loop, which is maroon bells that I'll be doing uh, soon. And then I've got another backpacking permit for the Indian Peaks Wilderness that I'll be doing as awesome. well. So mixing some backpacking in just for, for to see, you know, see what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I've prior to getting into ultra running, I was, I was an ultralight backpacker. So that's kind of, I kind of came from that side to this side because life meant that I need to shorten the experience a little bit. So, you know, I could get more done running than I could, um, walking, I guess, for lack of a better word. But yeah, if you want, um, you know, hit me up offline and, and, you know, happy to kind of talk through, um, just kind of like your kit. And if you want any, I'm sure you have plenty of resources in the Denver area, but if you want to kind of talk through, um, you know, a good shoulder season, um, uh, like kind of Alpine kit, I'm, you know, if you're trying to lighten the load and, and get it down to, to a manageable weight that you're carrying on your back, um, I could be a good resource for you there. Uh, that's, that's really Thank awesome. You. And I also wanted to say, Hey, you know, if bear doesn't work out, I hear they're doing this race on the East coast called grindstone. You know, that's a, that's a UT. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's a hard rock qualifier. I'm running it this year. So, um, if all else fails, it, I've done grindstone. I've got my grindstone nice. hat. Yeah. Well, I, I would um, just say if all yeah. else fails and you, you need that hard rock qualifier, it's kind of late in the year. And, um, I don't think it's, you know, I just don't think it's selling out. I think that UTMB will just keep selling tickets to the, to the bibs, to the event until, until race day. So. Well, I do love a rugged East coast race and I love that race grindstone as well i think i still have scars from the last time i did it as do i <laughs> <laughs> and i made a small child cry in the bathroom while she watched me take a oh, shower wow. <laughs> like, it's really bad um but um i yeah i recommend grindstone to anybody too good luck with that that'll yeah. be fun if you need grindstone tips on second night hallucinations you let I me will, know i definitely can do that um dirt naps i took my first dirt nap a couple months, a couple weeks ago. And so, um, I may need to do some tips on how to, how to, how to take better dirt naps. So, well, I, I do have them. I'd like to say that my recommendation is to eat one of those cliff gels with 200 milligrams of caffeine. We call them crack gels. You eat a crack gel and then you take your trekking poles and you point them in the direction you should go when you wake up. And then you wrap yourself in a mylar blanket on the side of the trail. And then in about five minutes, you'll wake up in a sheer panic. Uh, as the go. caffeine is basically <laughs> hitting be, you. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, I learned that from Lee Connor and it works every nice. time. Yeah. I, uh, 
I had a buddy I was running with and, and, and they set an alarm and woke me up. So I was like, I put my fate in someone else for that one. So, um, well, if you don't have a friend, no, I like that. Those gels, they work. That's that's good advice. Um, okay, cool. So I just got a couple of really quick fire questions that I do, um, at the end, just three quick questions. So ultra runner, ultra running man or born to run. I don't know what ultra running. Oh, man so is. it's a Dean Carnassus book. It's yeah, Carnassus. it's a Dean Carnassus book. No, born okay, to born run. To run. That's the consensus so far. So that's like a hundred percent born to run. Uh, me too. So anyway, um, favorite distance to race. I I love hundred milers, but hundred k is probably like the most pleasant yeah, for me. Feel that I'm a fifty mile fan. There's not enough of them, but um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to make a hundred miler my favorite distance, but I'll I'll say I'm, I haven't quite solved that puzzle yet. So I love everything about hundred milers. I love the people. I love the thing. I love the race. I love all that. But a hundred k, you run far enough where you feel like you could eat a large pizza. And you never want to die during yeah. the race. There's never a point where you like lay yeah. in the road and hope right. to get ran even, over. Even when it gets bad, it's not that um, bad. Yeah, no, 100%. Exactly. There's no like the wishing for the sweet release of death. Although 100 milers, there's always at least one or two points where I either almost die or wish I was yeah. dying. So you may have answered this question already, but favorite thing to eat post-race? Ice cream or pie with salt nice. on top. Nice. You said pizza, so I didn't or know if you were going to go pie. back to pizza, but yeah, I like that sweet. No, yeah. it's a salted pie, yeah. like salted marionberry pie. Um, yeah, I carry sea salt with me everywhere I go. Yeah, and I put salt on everything. So salted pie. Mm. I'm hungry. Uh, Jessica, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, if people wanted to find you, um, what's the best place for, 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 for people to link up with you, um, either social media handles and we'll definitely link to the e clean run dirty website in the show notes as well. So. Yeah, thank you. So I am Jessica Vandenbush on social or, um, or e clean run dirty. I hang out on Instagram and LinkedIn, those are like my two favorite so, social media sites, the, basically. Um, LinkedIn's kind of business-like, but as you guys have heard, all I do yeah. is work, basically. Well, so, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn or Instagram, uh, and yeah, I welcome new followers. Awesome. Thank you. And just so everyone knows, there's there's some underscores in there, too, and it'll be in the show notes as well. So uh, again, Jessica, thank you so much for being on the show. This was amazing, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. What'd you think of the show? Follow us on IG at the Midpacker Pod and leave us a comment on our post for this show or drop me a DM. If you appreciate this content, please think about giving us a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening on. It really does help out. And if you are interested in supporting any of our sponsors, you can find links and codes in the show notes. See you next time, friends, on the Midpacker Podcast. Podcast.